0: So what's up, guys?
1: Excited, excited to be here. Okay, are so,
0: you guys? so, so Yoshi, I'm gonna need you to speak directly into that microphone. I'm gonna speak
1: directly into the microphone. And I am excited to be here. Thank you for so having you me. So you guys
0: know we're. My name's Carlos. I'm here with Gary Stein, and we have YoMaira, or as most people call call her Yoshi, on the show today. And it's very important to have her on the show because we're starting a new podcast. La ratas rotación en español. La right. rotación español. And, and,
1: bienvenidos.
0: And I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and let somebody into the building, but you guys go ahead and talk about it.
1: All right. Go talk
0: about Spanish rotation.
1: Yes, it's so. exciting, Gary. What do you what do you think about um the new show coming up?
2: Are you talking about the Spanish version of the rotation?
1: Yes, I am. Or Mm
2: -hmm. la rotación?
1: La rotación en español. En español. Mm
2: I am thrilled because we need to be more inclusionary, because the history of cannabis is racist, and we need to start changing that narrative.
1: Well, the thing about it, too, is that there is a whole community that um, isn't getting the right education and. It's just right. There's like what twenty million in Florida, we right. were saying. So, yeah. So, they just uh, what
0: what are you actually going to call the Spanish version of the rotation? Have you
1: decided yet? Uh, rotación en español. Is it,
0: is it <laughs> that seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah. La rota- rotación. La
1: rotación.
0: Okay. So, and and you're going to be basically doing like the Spanish version of the show. Um, it's not going to mm-hmm. be like hosted by being Gary, it's gonna have your own spin on it. But what are your goals for the show?
1: So my goals for the show are um, basically to approach the community as if it was one of my family members. Uh, for example, my mother, she was one of my biggest critics and uh, didn't really understand what cannabis was about and how it helped you, uh, your body, right, your system. And uh, after I helped her understand and educated her uh, uh, got some spectators she, here. Yeah, hey guys. <laughs> um, I realized that it was just a lack of knowledge, right? A person can make their own decision, but if they don't have all of the, the resources there to help them understand or or help them formulate and, and get to the right decision, then it's very difficult. And you know, just like us, we need to we need to know why. We need to understand the endocannabinoid system and. Um, how it works with our receptors, and and so yeah, well, that's that's, why I want to help the community. That's,
0: okay, so as you all know, I am a Cuban man, um, <laughs> a very a very gringo Cuban man, but I am of Hispanic descent. I have a uh, a Cuban mother, and I went through this with them, you know, like uh, well when I was sixteen, they were grounding me because they were finding roaches in my in my dresser drawer and stuff like that, and I'm
2: like, we're not talking about the bugs, right?
3: No, no,
0: no, <laughs> okay. we're talking about like. Gary, when you smoke a joint and it gets to the end, uh, it's called a roach.
2: I actually have the history of that name. I'll tell you about that later.
0: Okay, well, that Gary is very good at history, by the way, guys. <laughs> but, uh, yes. but and, and then, you know, and I went through this like college career and then after, uh, you know, I graduated, I told my parents who paid for my my college uh, that I was gonna use my MBA to, to get into the cannabis industry. And my mom was like, Ay, "Oh, Ay. Uh-huh. me and you know she she spent a lot of time in her room, and she spent and I'm very fortunate to have parents that are willing to to try to educate themselves, and mm-hmm. you know she had me tell her, "You know there's something I'm missing, please can you educate me?" I had her watch documentaries, I printed out studies, yet it's so ingrained in our culture that drugs are bad that she was still like, hesitant. And what it really took was for her to meet like a mother that had uh Giselle Delgadillo, who has a child that's suffering from a chronic illness, I don't know. and uses uses cannabis to treat that child. And when she saw a mother using cannabis, right, and using that out of love for her child, then she understood.
1: And what I want to also say that your parents really inspired me to want to break through to my mom and my family. Um, so yeah, thank you, Mr. Milos. Uh, that's Mr. so nice. <laughs>
0: Mommy and Mr. Poppy are, are inspiring people and in not even knowing it.
1: Absolutely. It, it is an inspiration because, um, you know, they, they, uh, they're from Miami, right? Well, and
0: they, they, they currently live in Clearwater. They, they, we, the family was from Miami. We kind of all moved away, but he, uh <laughs> we, uh, we, my parents are both from Havana, Cuba.
1: Exactly. And so, um, you know, they migrated here and they and they ended up starting their own business. And they were this very successful um, couple that I saw. And I was just like, wow, they went through their whole life. And, and then they weren't closed off to the idea of cannabis, right? At least when I met them, they were, you did your homework, which I yes, chiseling away at that block of marble. But um, but you got you they broke you broke through to them, and so that really inspired me to say, hey, you know what? I, I really feel I can break through to my mom, and, and I had to um, I had to do it through educating her mm-hmm. over and over again, just explaining it different ways. But um, what I finally got.
0: Yeah, it, I was so. I was just about to ask you like with my mom, it meant meaning it it took meeting Giselle to kind of break through that barrier. Uh, what did it take for your mom?
1: Um, so she was in a situation where she's a breast cancer survivor, and so um, they started giving her like a lot of uh, chemo pills and um, you know radiation. and that made her bones really weak and her her body really weak, which caused for her to be in a lot of pain. Um, and so what started happening is is that they just started giving her like bags of pills basically Mm -hmm. and instinctively she knew right away like this is not this is not normal this this isn't okay this is my body's my liver is shot and they're trying to prescribe me all of like she had a whole two whole bags of um, them of um prescriptions and i said better living through chemistry right yeah i was like don't take that um you know let's let's just try a different alternative and see if it works for you and um you know we started giving her um hemp oil and it really 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 worked for Mm -hmm. her and so now she's a you know big advocate and um seeing how much happier and how her quality of life has increased because of it um makes me you know really happy it's like a
0: that's awesome Mm -hmm. yeah and uh you know uh the, the so we've been discussing this too and like you know we really feel that this uh podcast is a good way to uh, reach out to the Hispanic community and how the media doesn't really cover things like cannabis, and like education is really lacking to our Hispanic. How many people in Florida are 20, Hispanic?
1: Twenty million.
0: Twenty million.
1: Yeah.
0: How many people live in Florida? It's, do you guys know? One hundred and twenty million. It's a it's one hundred and twenty million.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's uh that's a big chunk out of that. That's mm-hmm. like what is it? That's like uh, thirty. Per, I don't know math but it's a big percentage. <laughs> uh,
1: so Gary? <laughs> Gary, do
0: you know math and history and mm-hmm. politics?
2: Yes, I do as a matter of fact. <laughs> it's a big chunk is what it basically is. But what is interesting about the Hispanic community is it's not solely one community because you've got at least 20 or 30 different cultures mm-hmm. within that. I mean, the, 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 the Cuban community is different from the, the Puerto Rican community, by the way, Puerto Ricans are Americans by Cubans citizenship. Are d- yeah,
0: Different mm-hmm. from Colombians.
2: right? And, and, with, with, Cuban, and with, even born. within the, <laughs> with, even with the Cuban population, we have those who came here before the boat lift, and those who came here after the boat lift, and there's different uh, uh, ideas and thoughts and, and ideologies even within that own population. Mm-hmm. And those who come from South America, you know, Ecuadoros and Guatemalaneses and Nicaraguenses, they all have different, pop, different cultures that, that, that they come back from. And even when we're talking about, it, as far as cannabis is concerned, mm-hmm. a, lot of we, uh, a lot of what we deal with now came from the Mestizos in Mexico. At, during this, the Spanish Civil War, were the ones who were fighting against the Euros, who were the people who had more money. And so mm-hmm. therefore, we had a situation where it was the Pobres, and then it was the, the, the euros. And the Euros brought uh, Christian missionaries who were highly against the use of cannabis, whereas the Indians and mestizos were had it already ingrained into their culture because the uh, the Aztec medicine men brought it in as part of that culture mm-hmm. and, uh, so it brought that in and <clears throat> and we've had to deal with the fact that the the missionaries uh, made it so uh, avoidable that if anybody mentioned the word cannabis you'd see you'd see women genuflecting themselves as soon as they heard the word.
0: <laughs> Shoot, I mean, this this obviously mm-hmm. goes back farther than what I thought, because, uh, you know, when I, ta- when I think history of cannabis, I think, and, and the Hispanic community, I think of, uh, you know, the racism to make cannabis illegal and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But this is like hundreds and hundreds of years in the making. Hispanics have apparently had their hands at cannabis for a long, long, long time.
2: And because of the fact that the rich folks were in power, which is one of the reasons that Mexico was the first country to make cannabis illegal. Really, uh, people don't realize that, but it actually, got it actually was was illegal here first, and it happened as a result of the Spanish American War, the the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the Mexican Civil War. I'm sorry.
0: Didn't didn't I hear something that Mexico is like going to make cannabis legal soon? That
2: is correct. They are going to make it legal federally.
0: So, so they're going to be like one of the first to make it illegal, one of the first to legalize.
2: Yes. Huh. <clears throat> now, what In re- regards,
0: pioneers, guys. I'll,
2: I'll make this real quick, but as far as the roach is concerned, um, the, the armies of the poor during the uh, the, the uh, Mexican Civil War, allowed that they, they basically walked from one battle to the other. And uh, they often had, had brought their cannabis with them. It would help them get through the, the long walks and things of that sort. And oftentimes they didn't have any money to have it, even rolling papers. So what they would do is they would find discarded cigars, and they would use the leaf of the cigar, which was usually only about one or two inches long and and roll cannabis into it and it looked it was oval shaped it was brown it was about an inch or so long mm-hmm. and they called those cucarachas because they looked exactly like cockroaches yeah. and so yeah. therefore that got reduced to the word cock got to the word roach as it spread through california in the 1960s
0: so so wait so a roach isn't uh the end of a joint
2: it is it's, it's a very small joint <laughs> okay. that, that that's what it came down to if you remember the, the, the traditional I was, song, like, I, I, Cigarillas. Cigarillas. I, yep. I can't walk without my cannabis. That's it, basically the word they were saying at that oh,
1: point in time. Oh, That's interesting. That's a crazy spin. Whoa. I never knew that.
2: <laughs> these it's things kind of get lost in, in, right? in, in, in the fog of time. But you do some research and you find these things out.
1: Yeah. Amazing. And,
0: See? and Yoshi, are you familiar with how marijuana is racist? <laughs>
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> the,
2: the, the 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 plant itself is not, but the reaction to it is.
0: No, I'm, we're we're talking about
2: the actual oh, the rubber. actual yeah. word, yeah, la yeah, okay.
0: So and okay, so so uh, and Gary's gonna come in and, and completely, you know, say what
2: I usually do, yeah,
0: not on here, but uh, so <laughs> yeah. so when cannabis was made illegal, right? Uh, there was a smear campaign about it and, um, you know, the whole reefer madness thing and everything like that. And when, during this time, um, those smear campaigns and a lot of the lawmakers that were making the laws to make cannabis illegal would purposely use the term marijuana in order to kind of associate uh, cannabis with the Hispanic community and, you know, also Mm. add to fear uh, to cannabis due to, you know, the immense amount of racism towards Hispanics at that time.
1: Wow, that uh I think I've heard of that before in like the documentary, but that's interesting, right? How um they wanna just uh label or herd like here, this is this is um uh, their category and
0: look um, at that. It looks like Kano's uh trying to pop in here. His screen's all black. Let's go ahead and share his screen.
1: Hi hi Kano.
2: Yeah, our director, by the way, is in the Washington DC area right now, though apparently he was in Niagara Falls this last week. I thought maybe he got deported to Canada or something. I I don't know what's going
0: on there. I think as soon as his, his stream starts working, you know, he'll just pop in. But yeah. So anyways, yeah. let's keep talking about racist marijuana, guys.
2: You could actually look at transcripts of um, of state and, and federal legislators that we're actually talking in such racist terms on the floor of their Congress or the floor of their, their, their state representatives. In Colorado, the situation where they had a lot of migrant workers coming up from Mexico, to take the uh, the Civil War, and they were getting educational jobs. And of course, the same thing we hear now is that they're coming, they're coming to take our jobs,
1: mm-hmm. which
2: even though you know Amer- Americans were not using those jobs, and so it was very easy for them to get involved.
0: Hi, Kato. <laughs> we can and, hear you if you speak.
2: I had oh, a, great. a state
0: senator in Colorado <laughs> who said that um, you got you got some noise in the background there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's. I guess it's not really. It was just like some sort of feedback or something. Okay. But hey, hey everybody, we got Chris Keno, our executive director, now joining us in the live stream.
3: Woo! <laughs> 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 hey everybody, <laughs> uh, <you>. <laughs>
0: I I have a habit of putting Keno into the live stream when his hair is messed up. <laughs>
1: it looks great. It looks great.
0: So <laughs> so having hair helps. So. Keno do you think? to 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 catch you up on everything that's going on. You know, as you know, Yoshi's going to be starting the Spanish version of our our show, The Rotation. Uh, La rotación
1: en español.
0: En español, and, uh, uh, Yes. You know, uh, with this long-running debate that me and Keno have about cannabis and marijuana, we're just talking about that, and <laughs> Gary's dropping some history knowledge on us at the moment.
1: Yep. How? how the, yeah, yeah.
2: Absolutely. I was mentioning the fact that the, a Colorado senator, I think it was 1920, yeah. when, when they were working on possibly having a state law that made cannabis illegal in in Colorado, was talking about the fact that uh, some of the, some of these Hispanics, they get a couple of rares of the stuff, as they called it. And all of a sudden, they think they're king of Europe, and they're getting ready to assassinate all of their, uh, their, their political enemies, in which case it, was, it went back to a, um, the fake news of, of uh, Mexico was that cannabis made you a violent criminal. Right. And that actually carried over there so that <clears throat> the Mexican aristocracy could villainize the Hispanics coming over to this country to get work. But Gary, okay, so so coming back to uh, uh, uh,
0: modern times or contemporary times, whatever you want to call it, right now using the word cannabis and using the word marijuana today, I personally think it's important that we use the word marijuana in just normal speech, just kind of to as acceptance towards Hispanic culture. Um, but right, um, as far as using it in laws. Using the term marijuana in American lawmaking is completely racist, and trying to trying to kind of like I, I'm wrong word here vilify yeah. or something like that.
2: Yeah, well, that that is correct because basically, <clears throat> legislators in 1937 used the word marijuana instead of marijuana instead of cannabis because they wanted to separate it from the medicine which was in the pharmacopoeia at that time as cannabis sativa. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people knew the medicine to be cannabis, but this thing called marijuana was being brought over by the illegal aliens coming up from Mexico to take all of our jobs, was obviously an evil substance because those were evil people. And so therefore, they vilified it that way in order to make it illegal here in in the the United States. And that's why it had a, a racist history. Now, 2020, things are different, but the fact is the medical term, the scientific term cannabis should be the one that's being used in things like laws and that kind of situation to make certain that we, we keep things unified. I mean, if you actually go and do a, a search of, of uh, laws in the United States and you use the keyword cannabis and the word marijuana, you'll find two separate sets of, uh, of laws and it should be the same law. But mm-hmm. the fact is they had some laws that use the word cannabis because they want to lean towards a more medical scientific approach. And the, the other ones that use marijuana, in some case, it was a um, a dog whistle rule to try to keep that bill from actually going forward.
1: Right. They actually use it
2: as a poison pill.
1: Right. Like a, almost like a trigger words in a sense, right? Or, um, But I like how you're saying using the word marijuana more because that way, whatever experience is linked to that word for public we can maybe start changing that right through Mm -hmm. advocacy and uh
0: so i want to kind of ask cano here uh you know uh we're we're talking about what word to use at what time when referring to cannabis or marijuana uh we've got an english version of the podcast we got a spanish version of the podcast cano what words should we use in each version of the podcast
3: you know, I think a lot of times, it, as you said, it depends on the subject, uh, and that these words have been used interchangeably for years. I mean, if we're writing legislation, which you know we're not doing, we're, we're talking about it. You know, I, I think uh, in in that sense, uh, marijuana is a, is a commonly used word. I mean, it's in our our organization's uh, a name. We're the National Organization mm-hmm. for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, and so you know that being said. Um, It it, it requires us to use it interchangeably until that other word can be, you know, until marijuana can be let go by the wayside, um, until cannabis becomes the mainstream of the lexicon again. So, um, you know, the fact that we can even acknowledge that it's a word that that has been used uh, to discriminate against uh, the Latino community uh, for being cannabis users. Um, that it's it's been used, you know, as a weapon in, in its criminalization against the African-American community, that it's been used to vilify immigrant communities. It is all history that needs to be discussed. And so when people hear the word marijuana, they know that, the, you know, they know the history behind it. And so, you know, I have no problem uh, of, of, you know, us using it interchangeably uh, in our podcast in both English and Spanish. Uh, as you said, Carlos, it's a matter of which arena are you actually utilizing it in, in, a, in an arena of law. We want to utilize science, reason, and facts. And the fact is, is that marijuana uh, was used as a, a racist word to vilify uh, cannabis.
0: Yeah, you know, and having having both podcasts and whatnot, like I, I definitely think like it's they can can be used interchangeably or whatnot. But uh, as a Cuban person on a cannabis podcast, I kind of feel the need to use the word marijuana, not just when we do the Spanish version, but even in the English version of the show, just because I want to promote my culture.
2: I don't know. Now, you should know if we do use the word cannabis, and I hate to use this other term because it's kind of been used a lot or too much recently, is that we don't use the word cannabis as a means of, of cancel culture, right? We're not trying to disassociate ourselves with the history. The history is there. It will always be there. It just in 2020, if you're talking about legal language, it should be cannabis. And I try to use the word cannabis more. In marijuana because of the fact that I do a lot of legislation, because I do work with legislators and I am trying to get them to maintain this as a scientific product that actually has medical value, whereas marijuana, it it also comes to that word recreational, which we actually started in California in the 1990s for what what we call responsible adult use. because the word recreational actually has negative connotations to it that somebody is using it. By the way, you, you, uh, fun, opium right? opium heroin, heroin use is called recreational as well. But the whole idea is that anybody who's recreational is not professional, because that's the exact opposite of the word recreational is marijuana, is professional, it's not medical. So a person who is recreational is a person who doesn't want to work. You know, they, they have dreadlocks, they're lying on the beach smoking spliffs, that's, we, we need to get ourselves away from those Negative stereotypes that it, but actually thrust in there to cause more damage that than link, than move things forward.
1: That's that link with the with the word and the situation, right? That they had. They're kind of bringing that baggage in, but we want to. Uh... Yeah,
2: it was it was a, a word they started using in California, but in actuality, I believe it was actually slipped in there to prevent full legalization. To, to cause more pushback against it. Right, them. right. And you'll, you'll see that in a lot of instances. So if you hear us using the word adult use or responsible adult use as opposed to recreational, it's because of that fact. Although recreational now is becoming normalized as a word. So it's kind of, there's kind of pushback there because everybody, everybody knows what rec is in, in a lot of instances. And we have to understand what the history of the word recreational has to do with how legislation has moved forward. So yeah we, it is we have those it issues. is
0: very important uh we have a responsibility as activists to uh use the right terminology and i think it's 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 funny because i i remember Kano saying that uh, you know marijuana is in our name we're the national organization for the reform of marijuana laws mm-hmm. and we would do some events and i would see Kano up on stage and he would say something like legalize marijuana and expect like a good re- re- result from the crowd and then somebody in the back would be like say cannabis and we'd be like but we're normal we're a national organization for the reform of marijuana laws
2: I guess if you change it to cannabis it would be norkel and people don't actually like that word <laughs> Did it, didn't it? you try to get national to change it to that once <laughs> yeah, I, Keith Troop actually told me they would never change it because nobody likes the sound of Norkel. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: where did the word cannabis originate from pardon cannabis
2: where is it where's the word come from
1: yeah
2: uh actually uh it is uh, it comes from the babylonian uh, actually mm-hmm. for a cane of two natures cannabis which means you know cane beasts of two natures and it for that reason it was used in the nomenclature in the 1600s when it when it was originally De- designated uh, as cannabis sativa to use that the le- mm-hmm. le- Babylonian word and move it forward.
1: So that's some real history right there with the <laughs> cannabis <laughs> way back. The I mean, it's had,
2: it's had so many wor- names of it. I mean, the Chinese 2,000 years ago just called it ma, which mm-hmm. I think is a very proud sounding word, don't you think?
0: Didn't, didn't, uh, the word canvas comes from cannabis.
2: Yes, in fact, it's actually from the Gaelic. Uh, if you look at the etymology, and it means cloth from cannabis. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And it canvas means all cloth because yeah. of how much cannabis was cloth was made from cannabis.
2: It made the best sails ever. What they used to call raven's cloth. You it. was A very very thick cloth used from uh, made from uh, hemp fibers that had a sail which did not rot on the trip from Europe to the United States. You know, we keep we keep pushing Gary
0: as like the history expert, but you know, I actually, when I met Kano, he was, I met him while he was teaching a history class for cannabis and <laughs> medical marijuana
3: in Tampa. <laughs>
2: nice. I had, I had a very similar situation, yes.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely all things cannabis junkie. So uh, definitely, you know, enjoy learning about the history uh, because this plant has such a unique and intricate history throughout multiple cultures uh, on earth, you know, like Gary touched on, um, it's been used in China for thousands of years. And um, China is is a prime example of a country we can look at that has been around for thousands of years, unlike the United States, where, you know, we've been around, you know, less than 250. And, um, throughout its history, there were times where it was prohibited in ancient China, that, you know, there were hundreds of years uh, where if you look over a country that has several thousand years of history and you can see different time periods of, of different rulers, different regimes, different um, cultural attitudes towards the plant. And, you know, part of it is that it, it is a mind, um, not let me say not mind altering, it is a mind expanding plant it is a conscious altering plant in that you have an altered state of perception when you utilize cannabis and that altered perception oftentimes helps you you know in the words of the comedian cat williams um just say you know frack it all you know you you, <laughs> you
0: we're a podcast now we can say fuck it
3: oh uh, yeah, i didn't know if, if there were if there were you know certain restrictions uh, on our other streaming platforms that we broadcast. No, I, but I, cat I've williams hit, I think cover your ears. <laughs>
0: I, I hit the, the adults only
3: tab when I awesome, I awesome. The well podcast. yeah, definitely. When you when you hit that when you hit that first hit, you know, it does help take stress away. It helps put in perspective what's important. And and that is not something that uh, the powers that be necessarily want. When when the powers that be want people to conform, um, utilizing the plant, it helps you realize that conformity to, to you know um, tab certain certain practices um, certain laws, certain leaders is just bullshit, and you smoke it and you say "Fuck it you know that 's probably the worst thing for for regimes that want uh you know nice uh, what 's the word uh, compliant workers and that 's really what this boils down to I mean, this has been a poor man 's drug, if you will for for so many centuries. Uh, it is cheap. It is easy to grow in your backyard. It it is something that that you know doesn't require. Um, you know when I often think about drugs, I don't even think about cannabis. Drugs to me is something mm. you gotta you know process and put into a paste and add baking soda to. You know, <laughs> I don't know the rest. Yeah.
0: And it, it goes in, I'm happy you said that, Kano, because like we were talking about medical use and adult use and recreational and all that, and I mean, just being able, uh, one thing that 2020 has definitely taught me is that being able to say fuck it is medical. <laughs> there is a lot of medical value in being able to say fuck it, because it's been a stressful last year, and Yeah. I think a lot of people with
3: quarantine couldn't go through quarantine without cannabis right now. Mm -hmm. And while we're on the subject of words, you know, to what Gary was saying about recreational versus adult use, to me, the distinction is more of a prescription versus over the counter. And we in the, in the Western world make that distinction all the time. You know, uh, a, a, you know, something that requires a prescription to go versus something that, that is so commonly used that you can just get it over the counter. And to me, that is what adult use of cannabis is. It is not having to spend 150 to $300 to go to a doctor for a recommendation. It's just to be able to walk into a dispensary and get it over the counter as a commonly utilized product.
2: Yeah, and when I do ahead and I testified in front of the uh, – financial committee over in Tallahassee this last year when they asked for information on regards to how the ballot initiatives as in regulate Florida and make it legal Florida will impact the population. I mentioned the fact that there are so many people who need this medically, but don't want to have their names on that registry, even for access to police or anybody else, because number one, uh, they're worried that 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 use might go beyond that point. And so therefore, a lot of people say if they have to get a registration card, They'll go to the black market. And that, in this day and age, is actually a dangerous move because the, the black market is not regulated. No. They don't care what is in it because it doesn't. they don't have to have customer satisfaction to keep on selling their product. Right. Let's eat, that's, I, that's I,
1: the
2: go ahead, Yoshi. I'm, I'm sorry.
1: I know <laughs> yeah, there's like, um, crazy stuff happening right now in the cannabis industry in the black market like with like just oh, spraying me. the flower. And um, it's just... It's insane, and yeah, we want to know what we're consuming and as, you know, we have that right. That's based,
2: yeah, and this last year, as you remember, they had a lot of uh, of cartridges that came out in the black market that were basically uh, oh, buying counterfeit D. vape uh, vape cartridges from China, and they had packaging that looked exactly like old yes. California packaging It still had Prop 215 on it, and there were products in there that were using uh d which is a form of vitamin e in an oil form that was put in there as a stabilizer to make it mm-hmm. thicker so they could cut the, the thc and make the product thicker and make the, the cartridges look like they're more impressive mm-hmm. and people were having this uh, vape induced lung disease but because I, they don't have any need to to follow up on their patients to make certain they're okay but they, sell the, it and they run here's the thing too
0: is that i see a lot of people in florida that are willing to take that risk and go to the black market solely because First off, well, not solely, but to, for two reasons, uh, you, you can't hear us in the in your headphones. Uh, so for for a couple of reasons, right? Uh, first off, right, they don't have the money. Second, right, uh, they don't want to support the corrupt system that Florida has put in place. That they'd rather go ahead and support the the, the trap house than uh, you know, the, the, what, what this, the cannabis system that's in place here in Florida that's so restrictive.
2: It yeah. is, and it, it, it's been a shame because large groups of people have been cut out of the business and, and created you know, certain millionaire businesses that are doing quite well in a vertical system, which is very hard to do. Uh, if you can be successful in, in a vertical business, uh, more power to you because it takes so much manpower and it takes so much money and that was one of the reasons we didn't have any minority-owned businesses here in the state of florida and we actually are actually getting one but not in the way you would think it was not a through a competitive process to to uh, obtain a license through an application but one of those app, one of those licenses that was given to an organization that actually failed in their application attempt back in 2015 king uh, tree farms was sold to a company called cookies out of california which is a minority-based My man, business Burner. and uh they are coming to here as Florida cookies, and they'll be the first minority-owned business. So more power to them. I didn't expect it to happen through minor, what they call MA or mergers and acquisitions, but so be it. Let's, move, let's let them move forward.
3: Well, you know, on this note, Gary, about the, the black market uh, doesn't have any incentive to take care of its patients. Uh, what I've seen in the in the D.C., Maryland, you know, of Virginia area in the DMV, is this gray market that they've created where, you know, you don't actually purchase cannabis, you you purchase a different commodity and then the cannabis is donated. And in these gray markets, what we're seeing is is actual entrepreneurship uh, of black market vendors, you know, working to become legitimate brands and labels. And it's interesting that that, that competition spurs uh, a, a need to want to have quality and to produce quality products. And in many times, the existing government infrastructures that we have are also failing to regulate the legal markets in in a way to to protect people, as you said, from, uh, for example, subpar vape pens coming out of China. And so uh, I want to say to all the listeners out there, to all of our members, if you have an issue with something that's happening in either the legal market or the black market, we want you to be able to come to us and let us know. Our job is to advocate for you. Our job is to to you know push the will of the people forward. And with that being said, we need to hear that from you because oftentimes, like you said, uh, folks are are going to be too scared to go to the government for any reason at all. Uh, you know, let, what are you going to do? You're going to call the police and tell them you got bad weed you know, (laughs) in that situation, you know? And and so there's definitely a a concern that folks have. They need a place to go. They need somewhere to tell people what's going on. And so we definitely want folks to come to us. I mean, uh, what I find... A uh, very necessary uh, for us to do moving forward is to make sure that we can both be the advocacy organization people need to reform things in the state house, in in the U.S. House of Representatives and Congress and such. But we also need to be there to help hold the industry accountable, to be that better business bureau of cannabis, as you will, uh, for for uh, you know lack of a proper metaphor, in order for folks to to you know for us to understand what's going on because the legal industry takes shortcuts too. I mean, we've seen photos uh, uh, leaked on the internet of of different sites, the growth sites uh, with mold pesticides from from legal operators um, in Florida. So there's definitely a concern as to quality that folks are getting. And as you said before, there is a corruption among the bureaucracy in, in how the OMMU dished out licenses. So why would we assume that their quality controls are up to par as well?
2: Well, that's, that's interesting you mentioned that because one thing about the regulated market is if there is a problem, if there is mold in the grow, if they do have a you know, powdery mildew that's, that's hollowing out all the buds, you do have a, a path to, to to work within the regulated uh, area to get that, that problem remediated. Because that way they, people know they have to destroy their crop, and they have to buy it from another MMTC, uh, I know that uh, um, AltMed Move has sold several huge crops, as I'm talking about tons, to some of the other uh, MMTCs whose uh, crops have failed because of mold and because that's because there is a re- regulatory structure in place. If you have to be re- self-regulated, that in the issue does where it comes down to how much does this grower care about the end user? And in some cases, they do care a heck of a lot. In California, I know several people who have had huge grows, and they, they grew specifically for the adult use market, because they waited so long to get their adult use license to be able to sell that product to dispensaries in order to put it into products, they were going broke, paying for the, the, the rent and all their workers and things of that sort. So they ended up having to sell their product on the black market in order to stay alive until they finally get that license. So these are people who are reputable, who care about their product, who put all their heart and soul into a product. It's to make sure they get the best product, both as far as efficacy and safety is concerned, but they're being forced into the black market. And that happens too. That's why over-regulation is just as bad as no regulation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, it's uh,
0: it's 11.06. It looks like we're 30 minutes into the show, and it looks like we're it's time to wrap it up.
2: So when is the Spanish version going to uh, come into rotation?
1: Um, let me check the
2: calendar here nowadays calendars are officially on phones
0: and, and while yoshi's checking her calendar i'm just gonna go ahead and say i think we did a pretty good job of covering all of spanish avenues and cannabis and marijuana um we've gone through the entire history we've even up to uh the first minority dispensary in florida and the introduction of la rotacion
3: En <laughs> and you know, on that note, team, uh, we were talking about uh, what words to use. What I don't want us to do is also get into a, a just certain mindset, understanding that the Spanish speaking world is so diverse. There are so many countries in the Spanish speaking world, so many you cultures of um, different places even use different terminology you know we're arguing over cannabis and marijuana but if you go to certain certain places they may use yerba they may use molta. Uh, I love mota. They mm-hmm. might call it pito, you know. So <laughs> there, 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 there are so many different slang terms, street words, uh, common lexicons uh, uh, across the Spanish-speaking world. I think it's important for us to uh, to definitely recognize that diversity and uh, and help people make that connection to what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the community, the Hispanic community, definitely is. Uh, yearning for it, right they they want to know they they hear it all over the radio, the news, you know marijuana here, marijuana um, talk everywhere, but they don't really have a resource that's going to help them understand w- why it benefits you and how it benefits you right like the science behind it um, and so it'll be it'll be interesting I'm excited to uh, be able to offer that to the community so outlet.
0: did you find the release date there on your calendar?
1: How about this weekend on
0: Sunday? So we've got the thirtieth. So, so here, here is the way this this show schedule goes: twenty seventh, right, Yoshi? We we record on Sundays and um and then uh, we release on Monday. Okay. So the live broadcasts all go out on social media on Sunday, and then we actually post the the podcast onto our feed on uh on Monday.
2: So um, if you're in church, you'll still be able to hear it afterwards,
0: yes, basically. Yeah, you can yeah, as long as you follow us on our one of our social media platforms, pretty soon we'll get it up on Twitter. Um, you know, I think we're gonna have to start a new Twitter account, guys. But
1: well uh Gary, now that you mention church,
2: uh,
0: th-
1: I don't know if this is <laughs> blasphemous Dios or not, mio. but there's <laughs> a lost story oh, of Jesus yeah. supposedly um actually using Cannabis oil to cure people. Have you heard of it? It's oh, called
0: Mota oil.
1: It, isn't that <laughs> insane? It was like I guess a combination of uh, uh, marijuana extract, um, cinnamon, myrrh, and
2: oh, you're, talk, you're talking about the the holy anointment oil that, that that they soaked Aaron with before he went into the the tabernacle but to keep him from burning by revelation.
1: How about the twist? Yeah. The twist of it having cannabis
2: in it. There there's yes. a
0: lot of there's a lot of belief that uh you know and, and not to go into <laughs> uh you know my stance on religion and everything uh, but uh there, there and you know I'm not I'm not arguing with anybody's beliefs please you know Christians <laughs> you're, clear, you're, I'm sure you're right about Jesus but there are, is an alternative theory that instead of uh being uh the son of god that he was just a healer that would use Plant medicines um, in order to heal the sick,
1: and that makes a lot of sense.
0: And uh, I,
1: like, I like it when it makes. And sense. And
0: back then, uh, cannabis was in. As Gary was speaking of uh, the Babylonian, the well, he was he was speaking of like uh, you know there was a lot of holy anointing oils uh, back in ancient uh, uh, Jewish times or whatever.
2: Yeah, the high priest had to get soaked with it
0: yeah so so it was obviously a
2: good buzz I would the think. idea
0: the <laughs> idea that was that cannabis would use these oils on sick people and you know maybe didn't know that it was a cannabis that was helping things but you know would that oil would then heal the sick
2: well the plenty of the elder we're not going to get too heavily into this of course because we have to close out <laughs> but Pliny of the elder who, who, who uh, did a lot of the historical References to to medicine, both uh, in regards to the Greek to the Roman times and alluded to the Greek times, noted the fact that the Romans were heavily into using cannabis as medicine, and that whenever they had somebody who was injured in battle, they would pack the wound with cannabis leaves and it actually help the, the wounds heal better because it reduced the inflammation. They didn't understand exactly the mechanism of it, but they knew that it worked. It's one of those things. I don't know this for a fact, but I know that it works kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the Romans used cannabis so widely was the reason why the Christians moved to the sacrament of wine instead of cannabis because they really hated the Romans for some reason. (laughs) For some reason.
0: So, Yoshi, I have a question for you. We're going to close out on this question. All right. All right. So uh, we've gone through all the history and everything. You've... uh, had this uh great education on cannabis and spanish community you're starting this spanish podcast uh what are you going to use you're going to say cannabis you're going to say uh marijuana you're going to say mota you're going to say uh yerba what 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 are you going to promote
1: um i think that i'm going to feel the crowd right because i want to be able to like speak their language right i don't want to uh confuse them and and you you'll you'll get that from the community too because um for example with my mother i had to explain to her what hemp was because she doesn't want to use marijuana so i had to be very careful of not using the word marijuana around her because it would instantly put up walls and say no Mm -hmm. and so i had to you know use a different approach so i think it's just like understanding the crowd really and um and then using the words that are appropriate for, for their understanding.
2: Well, then let's have an unscientific poll. For those guys who are watching this on, uh, on YouTube or on Facebook, feel free to go into the comments and mention what your ethnicity is, possibly your, your, your country of origin, and let us know what word feels most comfortable to you. We'd like to know.
1: Please, yes.
0: That sounds good.
1: That mm-hmm. sounds nice.
0: Okay, guys, that's the rotation for this week. I think we're going to close off. So everybody say bye.
1: Bye. Bye. See you next
0: Sunday. Be safe. (laughs) Cuidado.